Hello, y'all. Welcome back. Hey, episode 102 of Tinseltown Tea. That's right. Giving y'all the tea of the Tinseltown. I mean, period. I mean, if y'all were reading, which y'all do. Come on. We have a guest on the show we today. We do. We have Miss Geraldine Elizabeth Enoa. Hey. Hi. Hello. <laughs> hey, girl. We're excited to yes. dive in to her career. Oof. But of course, we're going to do all our other stuff first. That's right. All of it, starting with our Would You Rather. Mm-hmm. So I have that today. Mm. As usual, I go on the internet, Beyonce's internet, mm-hmm. and figure out, you know, what my question's going to be. Okay. I'm not creative as Judith, you know. She be coming up Listen, with these amazing Would You Rather. So this, this is, is recycled, y'all. <laughs> would you rather go to jail for a crime you didn't commit or someone else go to jail for a crime that you committed? Oh. Geraldine, we'll start with you. <laughs> You're in the hot seat. You see how we threw it like, you first, girl. <laughs> Um, what was the second option? <laughs> so you're going, so it's either you're wrongly imprisoned or right. someone is going to jail for something that you did. Someone goes and you know that you did it. Oh yeah. You, yeah. I would prefer the latter. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Okay. It's called survival of the fittest, y'all. Yeah, truly. <laughs> and yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah. I'm with Geraldine. Sorry, sir. <laughs> like deuces truly <laughs> i might put some money on your books right I don't know. <laughs> I might help there, get you a yeah. little snickers or two right and you know i might visit you once well, i got maybe. you when you come out i got you when you come out <laughs> right i'm gonna be right there like let's go <laughs> i'm gonna be right there like, sitting on the sitting on the hood of my car waiting right <laughs> you a real one let's go <laughs> all right we're aligned on that great yeah. we love yeah. that we love mm-hmm. alignment okay mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. easy <laughs> truly got it <laughs> next okay. what we got judith well we have the no better do better and as y'all know in this segment this is where we sort of share something that we've learned mm-hmm. throughout the week mm-hmm. to kind of keep us uplifted out here in these streets because you know it's 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 ghetto out here like on right. the whole earth the on entire the entire earth, earth. it's not okay so um for our <laughs> no better do better we're gonna pass it to elizabeth enoa <laughs> to give us some Geraldine. Geraldine. <laughs> that's okay i'm gonna do the this will just be the running joke. I'm just going to fuck up names all throughout. I can handle the names from, from going yes, forward. <laughs> I am bad at it. I am trash. Throw me away. Now, what do you have for the no better, do better to help those who are trying to get into this industry and continue to write? Yeah, absolutely. I have three things. Um, I've been like asked to speak for to classes, and I, I, I have taught screenwriting, and I have like three values and three principles that I always try to give people. Mm-hmm. And the first one is always a bummer, but it's just something that I think is really important. That's why I always say it first, which is everything in this industry takes longer than you think. Mm-hmm. And I don't look at rejection as... Uh, as a way of pulling me away from what I want to do. I look at it as redirection. And so mm-hmm. you have to just accept and have patience that your time will come. Yeah. Right. Eventually the things that you want will fall into place, but everything in this industry takes longer than you think. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is know your place, which is just another way of mm. saying have humility. Because I think a lot of people in this industry confuse a job with a career. Well, Come on. I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Say that. (laughs) They get staffed once or twice and they're out here imparting wisdom and pontificating on Twitter. And and it's like 
there will be gaps in your career. There yeah, will be things. Yeah. So know your place. Have respect for the people who have been in this industry longer than you. Mm-hmm. Have respect for the people who have come before you and opened doors that you can walk through correct now. Mm-hmm. Um, and have Amen. humility. Yeah. You know? Amen. Um, and then the last thing I always say is find your tribe. Mm. Be- and I mean like actual people. I'm not talking about followers. I'm not talking about anything that it can't be measured with your actual hands. I'm talking people you can turn to for the highs and the lows. Mm. Because the people that I know who are most successful in this industry, they have a group of people that they have been coming up with. And those mm. people don't all need to know each other. You don't need to be like a clique. But you need to have a friend you can turn to with good news, a friend you can turn to for bad news, a friend who can look over your rough, shitty pages, a friend who can, like, give you feedback. You need to have those people because this industry is brutal on the soul, and mm-hmm. the only way to keep it alive is through community. Period. All all the things. Pe- all the things. One, two, Let's and three. Let's just go now. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Well, that's the end of Tinsel Town. So thank you so much. Good night. Episode one and two is wrapped. <laughs> we have all the gems. All of them. <laughs> wow. That's real. That, but there's yeah. nothing wrong I with I usually add something. I don't have yeah. anything to add. <laughs> oh, she no. got, yeah. Geraldine got it covered, y'all. <laughs> she got it covered. That Truly. was great, yeah. great, great advice. Thank you. Yeah. And beautifully said as well yeah beautifully said as well all right i mean i honestly yeah let's stop it there (laughs) (laughs) just kidding y'all we gonna keep going because we know y'all still want to hear more all right so we'll get into our news segment where we only cover black and brown news because you know our news matters too i mean come on uh we get all of our stories from shadow and act Mm -hmm. the shadow and act Mm -hmm. we love them so we're only gonna do two today because we want to get into you know miss enoa's you okay. Know, life and her journey. <laughs> more gems. Right. Can more we handle gems. It? <laughs> so we're just going to do two today, but they're mm-hmm. two exciting ones. Yeah. So the first one Haunted Mansion, Ooh. Disney's Haunted Mansion. They're rebooting, of course, because rebooting is the name of the game these oh, we do. days. <laughs> Woo. Um, but it's starring Tiffany Haddish, mm-hmm. Lakeith Stanfield. Oh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I love him. Dynamic duo. I yeah. know. I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay. This going to be a lot. And yeah. I'm going to be right there. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to be right there. Yeah. Um, it has a release date. So mm. according to deadline, it'll come to theaters March 10th. Oh, okay. What day is it? No, okay, soon. Coming up. In a couple coming of up. weeks. Okay, yeah. So, okay, I'm, I'm yeah. finna go. I'm finna go. Just so y'all know. It stars, uh, like I said, Tiffany, Lakeith, Rosario Dawson, oh, Owen man. Wilson, and Danny DeVito. Oh, we got the... Okay. Huh? <laughs> they said and directed by Justin, Justin Simmons. Come that, on. First of all, come on. I'm going to be in line. Okay. Okay. If there, there should be a line. Okay. And if there's not, I'm going to start one <laughs> and then have people stand behind me to get into here. This sounds great. It sounds um, I love all of those people. Truly. So was, the story was written by Katie Dippold mm. and it follows a widower. Stanfield, who moves into the titular mansion in Louisiana. Oh, come on. Okay, so Lakeith's character was a person who once believed in the supernatural, but is now a rather lifeless tour guide in New Orleans French Quarter. That's very sad. Yeah. <laughs> lifeless? Right. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Um, and uh, Tiffany will play a psychic who can speak to spirits. Perfect for <laughs> Stanfield's new mansion. Okay, so... Okay, with the Eddie Murphy one, there was the lady in the crystal ball. Mm. So I'm wondering if she's that lady or, okay, we'll figure it out. I'm going to see anyway. I'm going in. I was like, you know what? I'm going to just wait. Let me just wait and be patient. 
Um, so there's no word on who Wilson, DeVito, and Dawson are playing, which oh. is kind of crazy because it's about to come out. So how we don't? How we <laughs> don't? They go pop up as ghosts. That's what I feel. <laughs> Why are you keeping it under wraps? Has there not been a trailer? I'm confused. I don't know. Okay, it's Maybe. about to come out, and we still don't know who, <laughs> who these y'all people are. Um, but Dawson could be playing Gabby, who's a single mom. Okay. okay. I don't know. Okay. It was originally reported that Stanfield's tour guide character would be the widower who buys the mansion, but IMDb describes Gabby as the one who buys the house and hires Stanfield's character, Haddish's character, and a story in a priest to exercise the house. Now, Disney, why are y'all being so secretive of a reboot, girls? Right. <laughs> like, we kind of already know girl, the story. Is, it's not like, like the story is a secret. <laughs> Come on now. Okay. Okay. And that's when I'm going to leave this article right here. <laughs> Why did y'all um, have to have him do this? Right. So March 10th, I'm going to be there. Okay. Okay. Hopefully, you know, y'all go too. Um, and we going to see. Because yeah. apparently nobody know what the story is. <laughs> nobody know who playing what. Nobody knows the story. So we're going to have to figure it out. Okay. Okay. Girl. Next one I'm excited about. Come on. Marvel's Ironheart series at Disney Plus as This Is Us star Lyric Ross. Hey. Woo! I love lyric on This Is Us. We were just talking about how This Is Us be having us crying. Right. All the time. It could be, they don't even have to say nothing. They just have to look at each other's eyes deeply. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. (laughs) Right, right. They just have to give me one look. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) All the tears. It's too much. So crazy. (sighs) Anyways. Shout out to the writers, though. They're very good. They're very, they're very phenomenal. Very good. So, according to Hollywood Reporter, Lyric will play the best friend to Riri Williams, the teenager who develops her own Iron Man suit after becoming inspired by Tony Stark. So, uh, Riri Williams becomes the next to take the mantle from Stark in the MCU. In the comics, she similarly took over for Stark. However, in the comics, Stark survives many close shaves. Close shaves. While in the MCU. (laughs) That sounds like a bad trip to the barber. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Um, Got it. Uh, But in the MCU, y'all know they kill him off. So they they did do that. They kill him because what's the name? What's his name? Robert Downey Jr. said he done. I guess. Yeah. He said, I don't want to do this anymore. This suit is hot. (laughs) (laughs) He said, I'm through. through. Kill me off. (laughs) I got my money. It's time to go. Ah, Um, So this show's got, I guess, going to be for the the younger generation. Yeah. Uh, Dominique Thorpe will play the title character. Anthony Ramos. Okay. Love him. Go for uh, it. His role is still under wraps, too. Why we, why we keep. <laughs> what? Like, I ain't got time. I ain't it's got time. out. Y'all bought everything. Y'all have all the right. IPs. <laughs> we just, just say it. Like, maybe they don't know themselves. Maybe they're like, let's just figure it out as we go. Yeah. Okay. The series head writer is Chanaka Hodge, who okay. has written for Snowpiercer as well as Apple TV Pluses amazing stories mm. uh she's also written two books of poetry she's written plays Come and on, founded the get back hip-hop collective with davi Diggs. okay okay dope Come dope. on. uh dominic thorne is a relative newcomer in the industry she's been featured in if bill street could talk and judas and the black messiah both great projects. i mean really great features so is she really a newcomer <laughs> oh my wait is she really a newcomer? Is she that new? Um, those are great projects okay anyways no release date has been announced just know that um i will be following this story yeah because i'm excited watch love me it. some work Ross. Yes. okay let's get into the real reason y'all are here come on miss jody and elizabeth Enoa. yeah and we'll let judith introduce her that's right and i'm gonna try not fuck up the name because we're gonna <laughs> okay. put some okay. respect 
on Jody. Yes, yes. Okay. Respect. So I'm just gonna give y'all um, her bio. And she's going to take us on a journey as we go into the interview. But Geraldine Elizabeth Anoa is a playwright and screenwriter. Period. Her play, Scraps, had its world premiere production at the Flea Theater in New York City. They say if you could make it there. You can make it anyway. That's what they say. That's what they say. I don't know. (laughs) As a part of its 2018-19 season, marking her professional debut. How are you going to debut in these rough streets of New York City. Right. Here I am, girl. Right. You're welcome for the play. <laughs> Damn. Scratch made its West Coast premiere. I mean, both coasts. Like, duh. Come on. Um, we're by coastal. Come on. Right. We're by coastal. At the Matrix Theater in Los Angeles during the summer of 2019. As a playwright, she is a, an alumnus at the Public Theater's Emerging Writers Group and the inaugural recipient of the, hold, hold on now, the Shonda Rhimes mm. Unsung Voices Playwright Commission. We're just going to say that. The Shonda Rhimes Period. Unsung Voices Playwriting Commission. Go come off. On now. I mean, when you have Go Shonda off. in the title. <laughs> Go off. Go, I, come on. She is an L. Arnold Weisberg New Play Award finalist, a P73 playwright Playwriting, excuse me, fellowship finalist and a twice named not U- once but twice twice Eugene O'Neill National Playwrights Conference semifinalist. Go off. <laughs> I mean, her work has been developed at the Atlantic Theater Company, the Labyrinth Theater Company, and the Victory Gardens Theater. She's again in the TVs, girls. She's writing for the TVs. <laughs> I mean, AMC's The Walking Dead. Maybe you've heard of it. I don't know. Right. Um, CW's Charmed, and this is the reboot. Of course. Um, and she holds a BA at New York University's uh, Galliet. Gallatin. Gallatin. Thank you. That's okay. Of, uh, Gall- Gallatin School of Individualized Studies. Period. Also, she's a <laughs> Gates <laughs> Millennial Scholar. So Millennium. Millennium Scholar. Thank you so much. Bill Gates paid for my college. Amen. Oh, we love As that. As he should. As he should. He should pay for everybody's I'm college. Like, can you get him on the line? And <laughs> pay <for> <laughs> I got some bills. Okay. That he can pay. If he's bored, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, everyone, please welcome Geraldine Elizabeth Anoa to the show. Woo! Yeah. Thank Ooh, you. Pew, 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 pew. We are so excited to have you here. Yes. Our first, I believe, our first playwright. Yes. So this is a monumental moment. Oh, okay. You. you get to break us into the playwriting. Come on. You know, playwriting Award winning. Mm-hmm. Award winning. Don't play with her. Okay. <laughs> All right, so we uh, usually we'll have you recap your bio, but that was a great I mean, bio. Yeah, I mean, there it is. Yeah, there it is right there. <laughs> um, but my first question is, when did you first decide that you wanted to get into kind of telling stories? Yeah, I mean, I've been obsessed with writing since I was a child. Um, like, I would, I didn't have a lot of friends, and I, I had sort of like a messed up childhood. So we had this computer. And I would just sit there and I would just write for hours for mm. like years of my years of my life. Wow. From like nine to 18. I just wrote, wrote. Wow. And then, but they weren't very good, you know, and I, mm-hmm. no one was reading them, mm-hmm. but it was, it was always just fun for me. And then I went to college for writing. Mm. Um, and I, I, I was at, Tish, which is the School of Arts at NYU, which, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't like 
the way they were teaching me to write. Mm. I, I didn't, I wanted to read books. I wanted to learn other disciplines. So right. I transferred. Sorry, I don't think I'm answering your question. I think I'm going over. Is that okay? Yeah. Please. Okay. Just this go. is yeah, your I'm, interview. I'm for it. Uh, yeah. Okay. So then I transferred from Tish because they were running it like a conservatory where it was all about output, output, output. Mm. But okay. nothing was going in. And so what you were getting was a bunch of 18 and 19 year olds writing super derivative work that was like misremembered from other stuff or mm. their own autobiographical work, like right. life. Because you write what you know. Because you write what right. you yeah. know and you're 18 so you're not like being, you're not consuming anything new so you're just drawing on your own arsenal which is not that deep because you're right. 18. you're young. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I transferred to Gallatin which is the school where you get to make up your own major. Okay. Oh, dope. started taking more academic classes. I took this very intense class on Charles Dickens. I mm. took a bunch of classes on psychoanalysis where I studied Freud and Jung and other like psychoanalysts. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that made my writing better Ooh. because I had finally something had sustenance from which to draw from. Right. And so, yeah, that's sort of how I got started writing. Okay. Wow. Is wow. that still at NYU? Gallatin? Gallatin? Yeah, it's okay. a school. Okay. It's really hard. Okay. Because everyone there is artistic mm. and and but they're they're also academic. So like there's a Gallatin festival that's like super competitive to get oh, wow. into. Oh wow. And I like got in with a play and I was so like like barely, you know, like mm-hmm. barely got but in. But you got in. Okay. <laughs> but I got it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> But no, it's just a really competitive school because everyone there is kind of like a brainiac. Because yeah. we're, we're the kind of people whose systems or organized infrastructure does not work for us. Mm. We're the weirdos who are like, you know what? I'm going to start my own government or I'm going to start right. my own community. I'm going to do my own thing. So, yeah. We love that. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to pave your own way sometimes. I mean, <laughs> yeah. That's just how That's it what is. it is about. Yeah. For the, wait, for that particular program that you got into with your play was it scraps or was it another play that you were working on no the story for that is actually interesting i um there's this really competitive internship in new york for the daily show oh Mm. yeah yeah and i really really wanted to work on that Mm because i thought i don't know i don't really remember but i was badly wanting it and i got an interview Mm. and everything and then i didn't get it and i was depressed i was Mm. crushed and i was Mm. so sad that i started writing this play um this play and then i finished it and someone was like you should send it to the gallatin arts festival and Mm. i said that Mm -hmm. but it was like my first play it's not something i would show as in a an adult mm-hmm. but um yeah it was because i didn't get this prestigious fellow uh, internship and i'm so grateful for that now because mm-hmm. i would have right. never started writing plays it's redirection yeah, yeah like it's redirection <laughs> so how did we get into kind of more playwriting like what was it that kind of drew you to writing plays because there's a whole bunch of th- different things you can yeah. write right so how did you get into plays I started writing plays, so that was my first play that, that because I didn't get the Daily Show internship, mm-hmm. I started writing this play, Fragments, which is about, it's essentially like a very easy play because it's just three people in a room talking, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it played, it, even for its like amateur level, it, it did a lot of interesting things with language and tone and voices, mm-hmm. 
but it's structurally simple. It's like waiting for Godot. They're just like stuck in a room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, I got serious about playwriting when I started seeing theater in New York. I was um, I lived in New York for nine years from the start of college till a couple of years ago, and I saw a bunch of plays and like. I was obsessed. And then I saw this one play called An Octoroon by Brandon Jacob Jenkins, mm. who's a genius. Literally, he has the MacArthur. He's now doing TV. He's doing Kindred for FX. Okay. Oh. Yeah. But I saw this play called An Octoroon, and I thought it was the most exquisite thing I had ever seen in my life. Mm. And then I looked up his bio, and I saw that he got into this program called the Emerging Writers Group at The Public. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to apply to mm. that, because if Brandon went there then I I should go there. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I applied and I got in with my play Scraps. Um, and yeah, then I then it was just playwriting. It was just yeah. writing plays. And mm-hmm. for years I wrote like a new play every year. Wow. And they weren't but they weren't very good. But I needed that in yeah. order to get better, yeah. you know? Because yeah. you gotta practice your you craft. Have to like, keep going. You have yeah. To. yeah. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning it's really good to be prolific because you're kind of just throwing things at the wall mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. eventually one of those things will stick like scraps is the second play i've ever written and it's my most successful thing it's gotten me like scraps is paying for my apartment like everything that i've ever had (laughs) is because of that play and so um you yeah when you're young and you're just starting out write as much as you can just exhaust yourself right because you never know you might like hit gold Mm -hmm. one Mm -hmm. of those tries yeah. I mean, I think you touched on it a little bit, but like with Scraps, what was it about and what was the process like for you to get that out? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So I was really um, like everyone, but especially, but I also don't think that people like uh, Gen Z, right? The people. Is that the one after that? us? The one after so, us? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I after think so. X or yeah. Y. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Gen Z understands what it was like growing up, but. Anyways, uh, sorry, that's the context for... I I was really affected by Ferguson, which which Gen Z might not understand, but, like, back in 2014, that was, like, huge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that was, like, huge. They left his body... They left Michael Brown's body in the street for four hours. Yeah. Crazy. And with just like a sheet over it, like he was nothing, like he wasn't a person. Mm -hmm. And I just like, I was really deeply impacted. And then like Ferguson was on fire for like nine days. Mm -hmm. I know we're like in the midst of perhaps the third world war, but back in 2014, that was huge. It like permeated my consciousness in a way where I couldn't get it out of my head. So I started writing this play called Scraps because I was really fascinated by the idea that Michael Brown had a, I think he had a girlfriend. I'm not sure if I'm making that up. But mm, I was really fascinated by the fact that this man who is now dead left behind all these people who knew him. And I was Mm -hmm. really curious. Like, no one at the time was talking about, like, what is going to happen to Michael Brown's mother three years from 2014? No one was talking about that. So I wrote this play, Scraps, which is about the loved ones of a kid named Forrest who gets shot by the cops and how they're dealing with it three months from his death three years later and then five years or Mm. sorry two three months and then three years later Mm. and i had him have a kid so i wanted him because i wanted to show that way that because it's like it's almost like suicide in a way or that's kind of trauma travels through your lineage so i wrote this play and 
it's been through lots of development. I started when I was 23, but you would be surprised how much of it is still the first draft. Mm. Um, wow. <laughs> it's about to be published um, by Dramatist Play Service, so you could buy as a book. And I, Congrats. Oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, Congrats. that's big. But I could go line by line and be like, no, I wrote that when I was 23. <laughs> that was like, there's a lot that is still there. But um, yeah, I just got obsessed with this idea of like, because like Trayvon Martin happened in 2012 mm, yeah. and then his mother has somehow managed to stay in the consciousness of the world. You're but right. Michael Brown impacted me in a way and we don't talk about his family or his mm-hmm. any like his mo- his mother and his loved ones have never like broken through. Mm-hmm. And I was just obsessed with that. So I, so I wrote this play mm-hmm. scraps and it, it, it's been it's I think part of the reason that makes that play successful is it's really accessible to white people mm-hmm. um, because I, I, I can't really put my finger on it, but I just think it's a really accessible play for white audiences until mm. the second act. Mm. There's an absurdist second act. Well, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, now I want to know, like, why do you think until then do they get uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. Like, what? It's really funny. Mm. I was obsessed with um, Chris Rock as a child. As <laughs> one should be. Yeah. Right. As one does. Makes sense. I yes. Mean, He's why very not? funny. The why legend. not? Yes. I was obsessed with Chris Rock. <laughs> I would watch all those specials over and over. And, and then I, when I got, like, a phone, I would download the bits. So, um, oh, wow. uh, yeah, on LimeWire. Do you remember LimeWire? <laughs> Do I? You threw us back. <laughs> Do I? We both like we're sugar. I've like. crashed many a computer. <laughs> okay. Because I want my music <laughs> for the free. Okay. Illegally. <laughs> oh, LimeWire. Yes. Oh, so I would download like I had uh, Never Scared on on mm-hmm. my computer, mm-hmm. and I had um, what's the one? Bigger and Blacker. Oh yeah. I had because yeah, that one has like, stuff yeah. about Columbine and stuff. But anyways, Ugh. I like would obsess with them, and I was just trying to learn how to tell a joke. So Mm -hmm. I can, even though I'm not like a particularly funny person in real life, I can write really funny, I can write jokes and stuff Mm -hmm. with like a setup and a punchline and a Mm -hmm. callback and all that stuff. You study from the great. (laughs) (laughs) So Scraps is really funny and white people, especially white audiences, they they when they laugh at black people because black people are telling jokes, they feel disarmed. Mm. by the writing and they don't feel like it's going to attack them. Mm-hmm. But then in the second act, um, the play becomes absurdist and we introduce Forrest, the kid who was killed by the police's son. And mm-hmm. it's it takes play in this like nightmare uh, mm. fever dream and the play ends with him killing a cop and mm. that's when white audiences are like oh she betrayed me like, that's <laughs> <not> just- <laughs> it's a switch and bait <laughs> ah, gotcha the audacity <laughs> but that's intentional right mm-hmm. right because i wanted them to feel like oh we're gonna we're gonna sit here and have this great old time with all these look at these black people that somebody died but we're laughing everything is right. great mm-hmm. and then I wanted to shock them into understanding the reality of no there's this intergenerational trauma yeah. this mm-hmm. sucks you are complicit and then yeah so I think that the that ending prevents the play from being commercially successful mm-hmm. but um, I I think. And and why it struggled to to get um, 
published for so long mm-hmm. is because of that ending. Because the first act is super accessible, but then the second act is just seems like real. It's it's harder right. to understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. But yeah, that that we don't need to be mass. <laughs> we right. don't need to be mass. The realest shit is not mass. So. No, yeah. It sounds amazing. Yes. Um. So walk us through that process of bringing scraps to life. I'm sure. Yeah. So, um, I met a director named Nigel Smith, who's the artistic director of the Flea, mm. and he directed a workshop at the Labyrinth Theater Company, which I. St- think is still around and uh nigel um, helped me develop the absurdist act Mm. and then he we built this thing with this like 29 hour workshop which is a very Mm. like common thing in theater which is insane that seems like a lot of hours (laughs) i was like wait 29 it's not not enough time to actually do the work oh Oh my 29 hours is like maybe like three or four days Okay. Of, of work. And mm-hmm. so it's not enough time, but a lot of theaters will do that and you could like audition for them mm-hmm. through that. Mm-hmm. So the Labyrinth didn't option it, which is fine. And then, but Nigel had his own theater at the Flea and he was like, we're going to do your play. And so Scraps became a production in New York in 2018. And it was really great, but it was also one of the most like brutal experiences of my mm-hmm. life because I, I had been staffed on a show, and so I was living in L.A., and I had to fly back and forth between L.A. Uh, and New York. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to write, like, for the TV show I was working on and revise my play at the same time. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a and lot. it's the craziest thing because you think, like, oh, it's just three hours. What is mm-hmm. it? But, like, you wake up in L.A. at, like, 9, and it's noon in New York, and mm-hmm. you've got 40 emails. That you're behind. You, yeah. You're behind already. Yeah. yeah. So that was interesting. Um, but then we had this incredible cast, some of whom have become major stars from from it. How I've like had careers afterwards, mm-hmm. and but I was intense because I am a perfectionist. So I was revising that play until the New York Times came. Mm. The New York Times came on like a Saturday. I think it was like Saturday, August eighteenth, and I was like up till five in the morning the next day revising this one line because it was wow. this joke. Mm-hmm. But it's that's just the way I am, you know, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I think I I'm just never happy, and I. I don't ever think that anything is finished. I just think you walk away from it. Yeah. Right. right. Well, yeah. So, so yeah, then we had a production, and then a year later, we had a, a production in um, in Los Angeles, which was very different. Mm. Like, in, L, in, in New York, we had this really cool New York vibe where it felt like, uh, like almost like a 90s, show oh, like a okay. night got me sitcom you got me i'm there <laughs> like, it had that living single yes. Ooh, uh, martin. martin vibe where Come like on. all the characters are kind of hammy yeah 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 and it's kind of big mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then the second act was this like pageantry mm-hmm. it was almost minstrel mm-hmm. but not mm-hmm. in an offensive way mm-hmm. and then in los angeles we decided to do something quieter which where okay. it felt more like cinema verite where you're like watching a documentary and mm, then the second mm-hmm. act was this avant-garde show and there's a hanging in my show where a woman kills herself and in new york the woman we couldn't afford like anything but we <laughs> <laughs> so she would like 
we it was just like she would jump uh, sorry she was on the top of a trash can and then the light would go off as she was about to jump and you mm-hmm. hear the trash can flip over in oh, LA wow. she had a harness and you saw her oh. actually hanging Ooh. and i can't to this day think of which one is i actually think the one in new york is more haunting because okay. your imagination is stronger than right. the truth yeah, right. or like visual information but yeah it was great um but but the play has a lot of versatility. You can mm-hmm. do it either way. And like, I I'm trying to get it done in London now. And yeah, oh, well, come on, London. Town. Love London. <laughs> I want to do like crazy things where like, what if all the characters were women? Mm. You know, like mm-hmm. what if it was about mm-hmm. a like a same sex couple, and one of them uh, had uh, was shot by the police. You know, mm-hmm. because that mm-hmm. does happen. Sandra Absolutely Bland. Right. Like, mm-hmm. So I but um. Yeah, it's, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool. I'm really yeah. fascinated that you guys decided to like switch up some things. Yeah. Right. Was the decision behind that, is it like knowing your audience or is it just you guys kind of like, where can we take this? What we what can we do with this? Mm-hmm. And does the audience or city that you're going to have an effect on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a very good question. I think it was a combination of the directors were different. Okay. Nigel is mm-hmm. um, that's a good point. like 10 years older than me. Okay. And Stevie, who directed it in LA, is more of my contemporary. Mm-hmm. And, and so they had different views. But also I think you as an artist change. Mm-hmm. Right. So in New York, yeah. I was I was in my mid-20s and... I just wanted a good review in the New York Times. Mm. So we just did what we could to get a, like a commercialist feeling mm-hmm. in LA, you know, theater doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the production that happened in LA was a little more of what the play actually is and not appealing mm. to audiences. Cause mm-hmm. when you have no audience, you can do whatever you want. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. So how was the transition from like playwriting to TV writing? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I wrote scraps and then I got representation after I got my first production. Okay. And mm-hmm. I was working in New York as a grant writer at a nonprofit that I still really like and I still respect. Mm. But I really wanted to be like a full-time writer mm-hmm. and I didn't understand why i was getting a production in new york city and they were offering me like 700 dollars. um but uh so i told my reps i really want to work in tv and then i got a manager and he submitted scraps to the showrunner of the walking dead Mm -hmm. and she really liked that play Mm -hmm. and was looking for a black female staff writer Mm -hmm. and so and I had an interview and then I started working on in The Walking Dead. My experiences in television have been very different from playwriting because mm-hmm. you don't have as much autonomy mm-hmm. as a writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you you don't have as much autonomy and it's not really a system that rewards individualism. Say unless that. you're at the top yeah. yeah no that's real yeah <laughs> say that again and i'm i'm an aquarius <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm sad so i get you girl i get you oh, um so i've had a couple of run-ins where yeah. oh okay this is not i 
like it's if you're a nonconformist like me, uh, you might have a bit of a reality check while you staff Mm -hmm. because staffing the way to do staffing well is to align yourself with the show is to make the show your center of your life to eat breathe the show yeah Mm -hmm. to go home and think about the show to post about the show Mm -hmm. to be the show to promote the show yeah and i I'm not that person. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, this ain't my show. Right. No. <laughs> I come here and write, but I, I'm a full human being. Yeah. Right. This is know. not yeah. my show. <laughs> yeah. So I think I would make a good showrunner mm, because mm-hmm, I would be mm-hmm. a good leader because I care about people because I think I'm I'm a, just like a natural, like my rising is Aries. So I think I'm like good with handling responsibilities and Mm -hmm. juggling and delegating Mm -hmm. and all the things like that. Mm -hmm. But as a person on staff, I have struggled because I, I, I love my individuality and it Mm -hmm. took me a really long time to love myself and I can't commit myself over to a cause unless it is like pure and Mm -hmm. rewarding. And so I've gone, I have like in the beginning of my career, I love The Walking Dead and I was on that show and I was posting about it and Mm -hmm. I told people about it. Mm -hmm. But then I started having some other kinds of experiences in writer's room that made me feel like that's kind of like cult-like mentality, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then I just became more of a, like a solo writer. So... Right now, I'm working on a bunch of projects where I would be showrunner, and I think mm. that that there we go is yes. better suited for me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know that like it's probably not the best thing to advertise this, but I do want to say this, which is if you are having trouble while you're on staff, no, it's not. You're not the only one. Mm-hmm. Mm. And if you're having trouble understanding, like if you're just feeling like alone by. And by being on staff and you don't get why it's not, if it's not working out for you, it's not you. It's just not every job is for everyone. You know, some people are good people. Some TV writers are like, they go in, they become the show, they own that reality. Right. And some of us are leaders. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Period. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's just like. Some of y'all be following. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't got no mind of your own. Right. <laughs> no. I'm not kidding. <laughs> and I just want to say there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, there's nothing wrong with There are many everybody people. Everybody has their role. Yeah. yeah. There are many people in in Los Angeles who have houses and send their kids to 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 um to college paying their bills from staffing yeah. mm-hmm. who are never gonna be showrunner. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah, because that works for them. That works for them. Yeah. Also, I mean, being a showrunner is not a small feat. Like Mm -hmm. heavy is the head that wears the crown, essentially. So good, good. A lot of folks, yeah. Like uh, it's it's something that a lot of people aspire to. But if you're not prepared for it and can, like you said, if you don't know how to multitask, if you don't know Mm -hmm. how to, if that's Mm -hmm. not your lane, like don't try and be in somewhere you're you're that's not for you just because that's the thing to go for. It's going back to being what you were saying, Geraldine. True to yourself. And how you write and how you mm-hmm. move in your career. And everybody's career journey is different. You know what I mean? So I think you hit that on the head with 
because we're going to speak to existence, you will be a showrunner, right? Thank you. Right. How would you want to run your room? Oh, God. Compared to <laughs> the how ways you, I've yeah, that experienced? have you experienced. Okay. Yeah. I would listen to black women. <laughs> well, isn't that the answer to well, everything? I would well, listen to that black is women. the answer to um, No, yes, yeah. obviously. But um, <laughs> I would run my room where the writers were the most important part of the show. Come on now. Wow. Because the entire show cannot exist if it's not for the writing. Mm-hmm. Without the story. Yeah, Without the story. Yeah. I've worked on a lot yeah. of different shows. Not that many, but I've worked on a couple of different shows where the writers were just not respected, where mm-hmm. the actors were more respected. You hear that all the, the time. Yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. really fascinating because it's like, okay, I don't have 4 million followers, but if I don't finish this script, no one on this show can <laughs> work. Big right. Because they're not improvising <laughs> on this show. Come right. on. Um, I would also treat it with humanity and compassion where if you're sick, don't come to work. If you have right. a, If you're having a baby, I won't assign you an episode at the same time that you're having a baby if you right. have a- <laughs> what i'm like oh my god i'm just Is naming it- things that i have experienced oh or witnessed i don't have children but just things i've witnessed if you have if you have outside projects i will champion you for your outside projects Say that. Yeah, i don't on. want you yeah. to just like i don't want you to think that just because i am employing you i own you mm-hmm. come on now um, yeah. I would also make sure that the writer's room and the production is in the same fucking place. <laughs> <laughs> I've worked on shows <laughs> where the writer's room is in the West Coast and the production is in the oh, South. Oh, that sounds yeah. like a nightmare. And not only are you dealing with a time difference, but you're also dealing with like a cultural clash. Yes. You've got elitist, right. yes, yes, liberal-minded yes. people on the West Coast making decisions for middle class to working class uh, Southerners. And mm. you just, it's a recipe for disaster. Right. So, um, yeah. And then the last thing is um, I would make it fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's important. <laughs> Sad. What's happening in these writers' rooms? Right. I'm like, oh my God! I'd say your name. I acknowledge you as a human being. Maybe God, I would allow you to eat. You know, when it's lunchtime, maybe more than 15 minutes. But oh my God! I would just make it fun because, like, I feel like a lot of times people yeah. in TV take themselves really seriously oh yeah well yeah, well, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> i think it's a i think it's a class thing to be honest yeah. i think yeah. yeah i think yeah. once you start making six figures consistently you think you're curing cancer or something <laughs> <laughs> it just turned into a demon right. <laughs> just more <laughs> and i oh, was God. really really poor for a really really long time mm-hmm. like i i don't I, used, I I smoke, and uh, when I was 22, I had a job that paid like 35000 and I mm. used to count how many cigarettes I could smoke in one day because I <laughs> wow. couldn't afford to smoke. Mm. Uh, but, um, yeah, I would just make it fun because, like, making a TV show should be 
like a fun experience right yeah. it's it should it should, yeah. it's writing should be fun directing should be fun acting should be fun editing should be fun it should all just be fun we should not be like having people crying mm-hmm. because they made a mistake mm-hmm. right. you should not have people like stressing because they're stuck in a job that's not going to promote them like mm-hmm. we should have like fun we're doing something trivial we're doing something that like in the heel on the heels of world war is irrelevant yeah i'm right so I just think that, yeah, I would make it fun. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> it should be fun. Yes. <laughs> and it will be fun in your writer's Right. Mind, period. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. All of that. Speaking all of that into existence. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of give us a little blurb about what is it that you like about playwriting and what is it that you like about TV writing? Because they're two different, two different ways of writing. So what do you like about both? Yeah. I really like... What I like about playwriting is I really like audiences. Mm. I love yeah. watching audiences. I love like I was I was in New York a week ago mm-hmm. and I noticed this thing that I like until now and I'm like 31. I didn't realize it, but audiences, particularly predominantly white audiences, tend to laugh at, out of discomfort. The, and yeah. you'll notice no. it <laughs> It cl- it's a throat laugh. Yeah. <laughs> and so a lot not of lying. T- <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. A lot of times people will be like, Ooh. oh, that play was really funny. And I and I go see it and I'm like, that play was not funny. There were no jokes. <laughs> Where are the jokes? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that play was, you were laughing because your white ass was uncomfortable. Because <laughs> so, um, uh, a real laugh comes from the belly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know about that. Black folks know about that. <laughs> that laughs. Yes, yes. So we laugh from the diaphragm. <laughs> the diaphragm. <laughs> we guffaw. Yeah. Like, we... <laughs> Truly. So, mm. um, so that I like about I love the interaction with audiences. I yeah. love the fact that a human being is performing it and that mm. one night they there's some truly magical things that can happen when you're putting on a play where like an actor does something extraordinary and then the next night they won't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah. it's just because like it's a play is a living, breathing, moving thing. And I yeah. love that. What I like about TV writing is I really like the access to money to Amen. being able, not, 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 <laughs> no, I'm not talking about income. I'm talking about just like mm, plays, even the most expensive plays in New York are worth like maybe $750,000, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. buys you like a minute of television. Right. Mm-hmm. Like 60 minutes of television is about five to $7 million, mm-hmm. like on average. Mm-hmm. Right. And I love that writers have access to that much money yeah. because it's just, it's incredible. It just unleashes like true artistry. And right. like when you're not worried about finances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love how fast television moves. Sometimes I think it moves a little too fast, mm-hmm. but I love how you have an idea for something. And then six weeks later, it could be shot, edited, put into production yeah. Yeah. and it's on screens like in six months. Yeah. I like scraps was a play I started in 2014 and then it became a a big deal like four years later. Mm -hmm. And that's really fast in theater. Some Mm. people have like, some people take like five to 10 years. Oh wow. Yeah. So I love the speed. I love the access to money. And I also love that 
like when a like I loved Squid Game and I just loved <laughs> that like yes. everyone in America me, was, was talking about Squid Game. Yeah. yeah. That just felt like a like a communal right. experience. Right. Yeah. I, I love Squid Game. Oh my god. Yeah, we're saying games. Okay, I put that plural. Squid I put the, game. the Squid Games. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I agree with that. I loved how it just kind of became a phenomenon. Yeah. It was so like, fun. okay, people would never watch Korean TV are like yeah. watching it. And it was dope. And it was great for Halloween, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the girls truly. gave us, the girls gave us. They were like, you got a green tracksuit? Let's go. <laughs> you, got a, you got a pink one? Let's go. You got a black something? With, yeah. Yeah. Can I be dazzled this mask? Yes, I can. <laughs> so... <laughs> I wanted to know, like, when you came into television writing, you came into, like, specific genre writing. What drew you to that kind of writing? Or is that the kind of the opportunity that was presented to you? And is there a difference in, I guess, the way you write for those particular genres? Sure. Um, It was really, honestly, the the opportunity. Mm -hmm. It was the first show that staffed me. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then I worked there for a couple of years and build up that like on my resume so I could work on a different genre show. So gotcha. I worked on another one after that. Um, I'm not a genre person, mm. not in like, like I don't like, uh, sorry. I, I don't think that I don't like is a great way to, I, I don't think that like heightened sci-fi mm-hmm. is for me, Okay, mm-hmm. but I can write for it. And I do appreciate that I was staffed on a genre show because now I can write action. Mm, Because I was a playwright. So I was used to writing like two person dialogue driven scenes. Mm -hmm. And on The Walking Dead, every episode has like a big action set piece. Right, right. Because them zombies ain't going to get me. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm a shuck and jive. Get me out of there. So it made me a better writer and mm. and now uh now my TV work is like genre-esque. Mm. It's like mm. um it's not this tone, but do you know that movie Her mm-hmm. with Joaquin Phoenix yes. and yep. Scarlett yeah. Johansson? So my writing has become like that where it's like oh, this is not our world, mm. but it's not Star Trek. Yes. Right. It's yes. that like Oh, this has happening like in a very near future kind mm-hmm. of yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Um, that's the pilot that I'm taking out now. But um, the way you write for those shows, if you are interested in genre, as a person has worked on genre shows, is to become an expert in the mythology and the philosophy and the logic of your show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is to become an expert and to watch everything and and it's a lot of metaphor it's like Mm. oh this monster of the week is a metaphor for racism or yeah this big bad is an allegory for trump Mm. or it's a lot like that um but there's also like an ability to have fun where you can do like psychic like weird like um not psychics but like um like because you, you a lot of it is action driven you can like have fun with it mm-hmm, it can be right. kind of like uh playful is mm-hmm, the word mm-hmm. um it doesn't have to be serious mm, yeah. okay yeah. so you mentioned you want to take scraps to london yes. next what was the decision for that how do we get there oh um i uh i really want to take scraps to london because 
they have their own problems with racism over there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah don't say. But one thing, I, when I went to London, I was like 23 and I only went for a week. And uh, there are a lot of black people there. There are. Mm-hmm. I actually think it was very diverse mm-hmm. when I was there. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. very was, surprised. Yeah, but, but you, I was on yeah. the, what do they call it? The tube? Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> wow. We are here. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. great. It was great. It was great. I mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so um, I think it would be really great to show American racism to British audiences and see how they react. Mm. Uh, so uh, right now I am trying to find a director and then mm-hmm. I have to find a theater. But um, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and also just like as a playwright, it would be really great for my work to start being done internationally. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So how do you go about finding, kind of attaching your director to each? Oh, yeah. So you have to find a director, and that director has to have clout. In Mm. in theater, the way it works Mm. is you have to get someone important to, to like, co-sign you Mm. who Mm -hmm. who can bring you to a theater and that theater has to co-sign you and so the way the the popular thing that they say is like seven people have to talk about you to this one person my god Mm. seven people have to say like oh dear do this play 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 to the to the people who have the decision making power interesting so it's it's just hard it's just hard it's just a very brutal industry but um I have um, a director that I met while I was in New York, um, and uh, she's phenomenal, and mm. she's been done at, like, the Royal Court, and wow. uh, she's worked on Broadway, and so she's considering the play, and then I have to find a theater to after that. It's, mm-hmm. it's just a, it just takes long, you know? Yeah, yeah. You can't just be like, okay, London tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Pack bags. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. That's real. So is there, I mean, you've talked a lot about Scraps, but is there a favorite project that you've been able to work on um, that you enjoyed like doing or has it all kind of been, I mean, anytime we want to do something we love, it's there's always something in the way. But I'm, I'm wondering what's the thing that you love making throughout your career so far? I have two projects. Um... I really love the pilot that I am working on right now. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's called Ebony Fall- Falls, and it's mm-hmm. a um, so I uh, I'm bipolar and uh, have struggled with mental health all my life, mm-hmm. like since I was a uh, thirteen, um, and so I I've been hospitalized a lot, and so I I spent a lot of time in s- psychiatric facilities mm-hmm. all over the country, mm-hmm. and. It's a really shitty experience. Yeah. It's like being mm. incarcerated. Yeah. And I would never say, oh my God, I understand what it's like to be in jail because I've never been. But I'm like, mm-hmm. this is analogous. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is definitely like that. So I wrote this pilot about a woman who is um, trapped in a psychiatric ward. And then she uh, finds out that the clinic, it's a, cl- they're, they're holding this clinical trial and it's a, it's actually a secret program being run by these billionaires to train them to be assassins. Oh, shit. <laughs> so um, the producer came up with a logline, but the producer says it's like, what if Rue from Euphoria had a license to kill? <laughs> Terrifying, mm. and I'm here for it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I was like, 
But yes, I, let's go. I really like that project because it centers a black woman mm-hmm. and she's bisexual and she's bipolar and she's like an anti-hero. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always obsessed with those like white male anti-hero shows from yeah. the 2000s, like Breaking Bad and mm-hmm. Mad Men and The Sopranos. Yeah. But I was always like, I want to be Tony Soprano. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I'm hoping that this show is like that but mm. with a black woman. Mm. That's amazing. That so yeah, that's amazing. I'm yeah. like I really like that project. It was fun to write and it, it's still something I'm proud of, which is not always like the true. Yeah. Cuz like I'm proud of scraps but there are the parts of that play where I cringe and I'm like, mm, 23-year-old Geraldine didn't know." <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> and what was the other one? You said there were two. Oh. Yeah. I have this play called the identified patient Mm. um it's a it's four hours uh it's (laughs) so it's like a burn book do you know the mean girls Mm -hmm. yes okay so it's a burn book of my career (laughs) come on (laughs) say less (laughs) but it's about this black woman named geraldine anoa who wants to be a writer and basically the conceit is this woman who has sexual who's been sexually assaulted keeps getting raped but she is getting raped artistically emotionally mentally i Mm. wanted to write a play about rape that wasn't about the physical that was about Mm. all the other layers that Mm. happened to you Mm -hmm. and so it's about this woman who wants to be a writer and she all the terrible things all these terrible things could happen to her like she she gets into a writer's group but they tear her to shreds and then mm. they put her up for an auction like at a slave auction mm. and they sell her to an agent and that agent sells her to a tv show and that tv show wow. ruins her <laughs> <laughs> anyways it's a burn book because <laughs> i'm trying to kill my career <laughs> No, I mean, both of those sound really amazing. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And we love to see those come into fruition. Okay. We're going to speak it into existence. Um, so what kind of motivates you when you're creating? Oh, that's a really great question. Um, I have to be honest. Money is a great <laughs> motive. Well, we're going to yeah. speak the truth yeah. here. Where I think I think as a collective, everyone's yeah. over the whole money doesn't matter thing because okay. they do. No, we're going to be eating artists, not starving artists. Right. Eat. Like, I just got something and I was like, oh, I can pay my rent. <laughs> and congratulations. Right. Amen. <laughs> Love to hear it. It's like, I will write you whatever you want. <laughs> yes. 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 Okay. <laughs> so money's great, but the real answer. <laughs> that was the real answer. Okay, because it's real. Yes. Like, yes. Writers have to eat too. Like there are bills that had to be pay, pay, pay. Because they gonna be calling. <laughs> Period. <laughs> or you will get played. <laughs> right. No, but the real answer is black people or like <laughs> women or yeah. queer people um seeing themselves in my work like mm. one time at a talk back uh for f- the scraps production in new york this man got was like oh i have wanted to say something and he said that my play helped him understand why he hadn't gotten over his cousin's death 
his oh. cousin had been shot by a police officer and he mm. was like your play helped me understand why i can't get over that and i like i was like crying because it's like i, I wrote that as yeah. i wrote that as fiction i'm great thankfully no one in my family has been you know assaulted or murdered by right. the police i wrote it as fiction and i was like oh wow this is touching people with that actual story mm-hmm. um and then uh in, while i worked on the walking dead i always snuck in some like pro-black shit mm, yes <laughs> okay give it to us okay that's uh, what we're all about here. <laughs> and someone once told me hey i i saw that michonne did this thing with the mm. blah 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 and the, that really affected me and i was like someone's paying attention. right right <laughs> yeah. and we love michonne too. okay yeah. yeah we love michonne wow amazing well i mean i think i mean and jump in if i miss anything but like what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind with your work? And you kind of touched on it mm-hmm, within mm-hmm. that yep. that answer. No, sure. Um, you know, I really, I might get emotional, but I really hope that people think of me as kind. Mm-hmm. Because my being bipolar, God only knows how erratic and like crazy I have been throughout my life. But I hope people are like, she was always kind, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but as a, so that's my human legacy. But as a writer, I hope, I hope that my work makes someone feel less alone. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I feel alone most of the time. And then I turn to art and I feel better. And the things that I go back to change over time. But it's the, it's the, the reaching for it that brings me comfort yeah and um i know i'm never gonna be like a household name because i just my writing is kind of scary and angry and 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 you you can't be scary and angry to be commercial but Mm, um yeah but i hope that like you know someone somewhere sees my work and feels like their humanity has meaning yeah feel seen they mm-hmm. feel seen mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that's a beautiful legacy to live behind. yes absolutely wow and you're already doing that I'm truly sure. yeah you've already gotten confirmations mm-hmm. from so many different places mm-hmm. that that is indeed happening right yeah so just know that it's, yeah. it's already <laughs> happening yeah wow and with that let's go <laughs> hey, for real no that was amazing thank yeah. you geraldine for dropping all the gems and kind yeah. of walking us through your journey um yeah. i'm sure someone listening to this is going to be touched or they're going to feel seen by mm-hmm. something you said here today yeah. so thank you thank you this yeah. is great that thank you amazing. for yeah thank you for coming on yeah okay all right so with that we're going to go into uh niggas you should know Gina. yeah and y'all already know i mean it's geraldine elizabeth you know period like <laughs> and like honestly the biggest thing that i've walked away just through this conversation is like you put a lot of your vulnerabilities mm. in your work and mm-hmm. a lot of people can't do that it right. takes a particular type of strength to really lay yourself bare for art mm-hmm. and to be able to be smart enough to protect yourself to be able to walk through a lot of the kind of very rough things that you had to walk through in the writer's room in uh, trying to get your play on a stage like mm-hmm. and you you did it though and they had the nerve to give you awards <laughs> like, right. and they they were like oh yeah okay <laughs> like 
throwing them. Yes. Throwing them out. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I cannot wait to see Scraps in London town. <laughs> right. I, I love wait. London, so let me know. I'll okay. be there. <laughs> we'll make a trip of it. Right. <laughs> okay. We'll make a trip. Absolutely. And I cannot wait for other writers to be under your tutelage when you are creating your show. Right. And right. you have the principles that you want in place mm-hmm. to make the show. And then it transform people who view it and love it and enjoy it even for the deepest reasons or the stupidest ones <laughs> like, right right as, thank you you know yeah so yeah you are that nigga mm-hmm. <laughs> period and you also have somebody oh, yeah. yes. i want to shout out okay so my friend Chris Murphy, okay. he's a staff writer at Vanity Fair. He is also a comedian and an actor, mm-hmm. and he is um, an incredible writer, an incredibly human, a great friend. But he's also just like really, really funny and like mm-hmm. smart and I, like cutting edge. And so right. I want to shout him out because I think that he should win a Pulitzer for one criticism. Because he's just amazing. So Chris Murphy at Vantage Fair. If you're interested, you should read his cover story for MJ Rodriguez. Mm, okay. We'll put we'll get Fair. a link and yes. then we'll get a link for him for people to find him and put it in the in description. the description. Yes. Yes. We love putting things in the description here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yes. That's episode 10, whatever. I don't even <laughs> know <much>. anymore. <laughs> Great episode. Yeah. Thank you, Geraldine. This was Thank beautiful. You. This was amazing. Yes. We had such a great time, and someone is going to be, someone's going to get something out of this episode yes. for sure. And if nobody does, we did. Right. Oh. That counts. <laughs> that truly counts. Somebody is going. Okay. Somebody, yeah, it's, it's going to happen. So, yes, thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us on the Tinseltown. Oh, wait. The, what am I saying? The Tinseltown of the Tea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's the name of my show again? What is this? Girl, you <laughs> What am I doing here? <laughs> Anyways, it's time to go by. <laughs> Bye, y'all.